Welcome to the Worldwide Golf Shops Insider Podcast. Episode 387. Greetings, everyone. Tom Brussell here. So glad you joined us. If you're a first-time listener, long-time subscriber, maybe you fit somewhere in the middle in there. It doesn't matter. We're just so glad that you joined us here today. Our special guest joining us today needs no introduction, but uh, we're going to give him one anyway. Over 40 professional worldwide wins Six of those major championships. He was number one in the world for 97 weeks. 2014 Payne Stewart Award winner, member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. And for almost 20 years, he was the voice of CBS Golf in the 18th Tower with our friend Jim Nance. Who else is joining us? Courtesy of Squares Golf, Sir Nick Faldo. Sir Nick, thanks so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have you. Yeah, good morning. How are you doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. You're just back, from what I understand, from Rome. How about some thoughts? Congratulations to the European team. How about some thoughts on the 2023 edition of the Ryder Cup? Well, you know, America took a lot of slack. I thought they played really well considering they had five weeks holiday. I mean, normally my game's really rusty after I take five weeks off, you know, sitting around. Ah, that's a little, little <laughs> bit of sarcasm. You know, I, we, I kind of predicted that, didn't we? Um, you know, Europe were looking very good. You know, the last couple of months it became very strong. You know, especially with adding Victor Hovland to, you know, Rory and Rombo. And, um, you know, so I think the three, for me, the three major points were, um, which I did, I, I had a very good Ryder Cup because I made a lot of good predictions. I said, you know, the, the key to winning is you, your big four have got to really do, you know, the heavy lifting. So, and I, half predicted, you know, maybe Tyrrell Hatton would join, you know, um, Rory, Rombo, and Victor to make the big four, and that that came through. Um, the next thing I said is, you, you know, your rookies, one of one or of your rookies is, uh, you know, is a, um, is a is a hidden weapon to America because they don't know a lot about, uh, you know, our rookies. And sure enough, we did have, obviously, uh, Bob McIntyre, and um, Ludwig uh, Aberg had a great um, Ryder Cup. So, you know, the rookies, if, if they come alive, then you gain a couple of extra points that you were never sure of. And and I did say before, you know, Zach's six picks, yeah, all those guys are great guys, um, great golfers, but they were all running hot and cold. Yeah, you know, still either finding the games mm-hmm. or returning back or a little inconsistent. And, um, you know, I've been there, got the T-shirt. <laughs> you cannot go to the Ryder Cup if your game is not on. Yeah. You, you won't find it there. It's, it's, a, it's, just, it's the greatest pressure. As you saw, it's a wonderful week. It's the greatest pressure cooker to play in. But you haven't got your game or your trust. You're not going to find your trust in your game that week. Um, so... I mean, all those things panned out. And, you know, America got a nasty shot that um, they couldn't bowl up after. And seriously, no player would ever take five weeks off before a major. So what were they thinking? Even on a personal note, you'd say, you know, I, I really need to play somewhere just to make sure. It's not the, it's not so much the rust on your golf swing. It's, you know, it's decision-making as well. You know, pulling the, you know, pulling the right club in awkward weather and that sort of thing is, 
you know, you you take a you, know, you take a couple of weeks off and you you just lose that sharpness, you know. And so it's all those little things put together. And um, so America probably probably feel you know pretty pretty hurt by that that they they let everybody down because it uh, you know they they weren't there at all were they? Rory made the comment in the press conference following that nothing harder in any sport than winning the Ryder Cup on foreign soil. And I think we all have our opinions why, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that. Why sure. is it so hard today to do that? Well, you know, gosh, I was, uh, yeah, I'm very proud that I was on the first one, you know, when we, when we won at the Muirfield Village, at Muirfield Village back in 1987, that was huge. Just to, to win in, in America on Jack course, the course was really set up. Um, you know, the Greens were running at 15 that week. They really were. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously you, you come with the, the um, you know, the, the whole um, crowd atmosphere is really ramped up over the last 20 years or so. It's really become part of it. Um, you know, you are allowed to, the captain, the home captain is allowed to maybe set up the course a little bit. And they, you know, that's what Europe did. They, you know, we had, um, you know, there were three drivable fours rather than making them, you know, whatever, an iron off the sea and a wedge because they thought America was a little stronger in the wedge play. So they made those holes drivable. Um, but you know, these are, these are the best pro golfers, and they should be able to adapt to, you know, when that's pro golf, you you play one golf course, and you jump on a plane, and you play, you get somewhere else around the world in completely different grass and weather and atmosphere, and you that's pro golf. You have to learn to adapt to, you know, the speed of light. So, um, you know, you put all of that together, you know, America just didn't have the focus. You could see it on the first tee. Our, our guys' eyes were looking down the fairway in like, you know, like tunnel vision. And America was like, whoa, taking it all in and thinking, wow, what's going on here? So I don't, I just think we were just simply better prepared and, um, got off to obviously incredible fast start. And then you're under, and, you know, and they played, got to hand it to, you know, the golf was fantastic, wasn't it? The short mm. games, all the chipping in and all sorts of things. So, you know, it's, it's playing under that intensity. And um, Europe really did um, embrace it this time. They really loved the, you know, every chip shot you're trying to hold and you have to have a, you have to have that kind of mindset. So, but yeah, I, it was a, it will be, and that's the, you're right, it's the number one thing when we, when Europe comes back to um, Beth Page, obviously that's going to be pretty raucous. So, uh, yeah, that's why I said Luke Donald should get the job again because, my goodness, he's got 95% of everything is right. I'm sure he can fine-tune <laughs> a few things. Why start again when the guys were so happy with, you know, the whole team atmosphere and, and all the all the extras? I mean, the physio team now is huge and all sorts of things. So why, if the, if the one thing to conquer is dealing with a, you know, a, a, uh, an away crowd gallery, all that boisterousness, then that should be the mission. Go and, go and work on that and see if you can find a way to get prepare the players so, so they have no problem with it. 
Yeah, well, congratulations to, like you said, to Luke and the entire European team. Just a fantastic win. Got off to a great start in foursomes and never let the, never came off the pedal. Speaking of European golf, kind of a sad note this week, Sir Nick, the loss of Ivor Robinson, longtime uh, voice Definitely. of the Open yeah. Championship. Talk, talk about Ivor and what he meant, meant to you and to <laughs> European golf. Well, he was I mean, he was iconic, wasn't he? He, <laughs> he had that tone of voice. He, 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 he announced some names. I mean, even my daughter, Emma, loved it because we, we were where were we? we were at Hoy Lake moons ago, actually way back when Tiger won. Mm-hmm. And or was it the Rory one? No, it was Rory one. Um, yeah, my daughter. And so she was walking around going, um, what would we say? Ladies and gentlemen, on the tee, put your, from the US of A, put your hands together for Hunter Mahan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he became like, you know, it was so, a couple of the names he said, you, I can't, I can't get it out of my head. It's the Hunter Mahan one. This is just one of them. So, um, um, but yeah, he was. It was pretty cool that you had one man there for that for forty plus years, and um, he was a lovely guy. And obviously, he. Uh, I mean, that's all you ever saw him. You saw him to say hi, how are you, Jack? You little Jack, grab your tea now. You ready to go? And off you go. And that was really it. You know, so, but it was. It was a. He was. A, he was a sweet guy. And what a what a great. I mean, from his world. I bet he wish he could have had a GoPro on his hat now, you know, and and recorded it all because you know he he introduced all the greatest, and this yeah. is probably I'm sure he's gone to the golf in heavens with a some good memories, a good smile on his face. Okay, lads, I'll let you go on the tee from England, Nick Faldo. I mean, how many how many how many of the guys have imitated Ivor over the years? It's so so sad. To, to see him go, Nick. Let's talk, <laughs> sir. Nick, let's talk a little bit about your life. One of our our listeners tell us that one of the things they love hearing the most, two things. One is what you can tell them to make them a better golfer, which you know who knows. But what what you can tell them is where you got to start in the game. We all fell in love with this game somehow, somewhere. Someone put a club in our hand for the first time. Yeah. Go back in the time machine. Tell us how you fell in love with golf. <laughs> now I was te- television. Um, you know, I watched the Masters way back, 1971. I loved sport. You know, I was very good at most sports at school. And, you know, and, it, and I would guess I was waiting for a sport where, you know, I'm only child, so where, you know, the practicing, um, you know, you other team sports, obviously you need a team around you most of the time to practice and that sort of thing. I tried a few other things out of school, did extra swimming, training and cycling, all sorts of things like that. Um, so it was then when I saw golf on television, I thought, well, I want to try that. We didn't know anything about it. Went down and booked my six lessons, and uh, and that's how I got started. My next-door neighbor gave me a couple of those clubs. You remember the ones that still have that brown plasticky stuff oh, yeah. on the shop? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he gave, me a, he gave me a seven and eight times big old, headed things, you know, probably old Bobby doing something, I don't know. So and I went I went out and rummaged in the bushes and found twenty golf balls in the bushes. My mum was a dressmaker, she made me a little bag to put my golf balls in. And that was it. And I used to sneak onto the school playing field. It wasn't my school, it was another school just up the road from me. And I used to tip these balls out and I'd hit them 
it's quite interesting. You know, I, I used to put my feet on the line of the football pitch. So I've got a straight line, and I'd hit them into the long jump. Yeah, and I'd hit them into the long jump pit. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, I guess that was only, a, you know, I don't know, 80 or 100 yards away at that. And um, typical me it was so funny because I used to, you know, I used to get mad if I missed that long jump pit. And sometimes it'd be really good. I might hit it in there, I don't know, 16 out of 20 times or something. Because I went back 20 years later or something. Because that long jump pit's only six, eight foot wide and 12 foot long. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, you know, there I am. Yeah, yeah it's quite yeah. funny. So, you know, I, a couple of little things. You know, and then I left school at, because that was 14. I played my first round of golf on my 14th birthday in July. Mm. You know, and by 15, I, that was it. I made a decision. I want to be a pro golfer. And then 16, I left school. And that was the only way to do it. In Britain, we don't have, you know, scholarships and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Universities with golf. So you, went, you headed to the practice ground and beat balls. And, um, and probably the luckiest thing, really unbeknown, was I had, my our, our range wasn't really a range; it was just a half a hole in the in the corner of the golf course. Mm-hmm. And so all I had was was one green, one bunker, and one flag. And so little did I know my my absolute goal, first goal was to hit it over that bunker and stop it before the flag. That was my first goal. And and I stood there, you imagine, for thousands of hours. And because then thirty odd years later, my my good friend, um, Michelle, a sports psychologist, said, well, that targeting, you were aiming at a target all the time. I never, I never, I didn't have a 200-yard range where you just hit them out there. Every single shot went at a flag, you see. Mm-hmm. So, that was kind of a, um, an act, I guess, what do you call it, an accident or something that was, you know, forced on you. That's all I had, yet it proved so powerful because I never wasted any you know, every single goal shot had a purpose mm-hmm. or, or uh, intention. Get it over that bunker at the front if I hit it. And I used to love it because if members used to come down to the 17th team, they'd see me. And I'd hit my seven iron to two feet. And I'd, and I'd try my hardest because I remember once doing it, the next one I hit to a foot. And they're looking and thinking, who the hell is this kid? He says, it one to two feet, the next one goes to a foot. So <laughs> it was good. It was good motivation for me. You know, it's just a, just a to see how accurate I could be. And with the the limited equipment you had too, right? I mean, that's probably a blessing that you learned to play with stuff that wasn't well, that yeah. great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's amazing. We didn't know anything about, we didn't know anything about anything. I mean, on my first set at Bullstar Club, honey, my first half set was called St. Andrews. And, you know, and I broke them um, because I was, you know, the shelves just broke. And then we didn't realize, you know, it was too strong for them. Then I actually bought a, a heart. I actually bought a second-hand set of Ben Hogan. Amazing. So I guess that must have had an apex shaft in it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all the wrong length, skinny grips, and that sort of thing. So we didn't know about that. And so clumsy. It took a long time before I got some decent clubs. Really did. Um, you know, con- considering now what the kids, literally any kid can go and go. Uh, you know, go on, literally go on a launch monitor now and I get a, and get a set of clubs made to fit them perfectly. I mean, what an unbelievable difference. We had grips that, you know, just getting a set of grips big enough 
didn't even know about bigger grips and building them up yeah. for years and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we used to, I call them a sack of spanners, you know, just ugly blooming clubs. And even as a pro, I had, I at one time as a pro, I even had 12, had 12 different made clubs in a, out of 14. How about that? <laughs> there was only a couple of, had a, you know, had, everything was different. Every stick, only like, at least I had an eight and a nine, I might be the same. And a, and a seven and oh. six will be the same from another set. And every other club was an individual club. Unbelievable. So, um, uh, that if you picked it up and it worked, you liked it, you put it, you used it. And because mm-hmm. as I said, now it's, uh, even a youngster can have a absolutely the same, um, you know, fitted clubs, the same as a pro would have. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, sir, Nicholas, shift gears. You're brought to us today by uh, your friends and our friends at Squares Golf Shoes. You're known in the golf industry as someone who is not going to endorse anything unless put your name on it, unless you really, really believe in it. And and such is the case with Squares. Talk talk about your relationship with Squares. Yeah, well, I tell you how it all started. It was it was during COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID hit, and then we had a little place at the beach. And, you know, we weren't allowed to go to the gym. So I was trying to do my exercises outside. I've got all my weights under the porch thing, you know, in Florida. So I could exercise in the, in the sun. Lovely. And so I'm doing my, my instructor, my physical instructor, uh, giving me some exercise. I can't know what it's called. You know, one legged bend forward thing. You know, you feel like a flamingo about to fall over trying to do an airplane. And I couldn't do it. I'm wobbling. I'm wobbling all over the show. And I thought, God, this is not good. And so it's funny. I so I had there was an old pair of tennis shoes, which have got big, hard. So I put them on, and I could do it. So you know, you put athletic shoes on, and they're all they're very soft and squidgy, aren't they? You know. So and so I put these, and I said, because I'm a big guy, you know, I'm a big, heavy guy. So I then could do it. So I literally, honestly, went to my phone. I said, golf shoes, wrote in, in Google, golf shoes with the most stability. Book, up comes square, honest. First thing up. So I went, so I called my agent. I said, oi, get me a pair of, send a, get me a pair of these squares. And they said, well, that's so funny because they, they were, they, they're looking for an ambassador and they were actually quite interested in me because, you know, my, as you said, my reputation. So, and that's honestly how I started. And they, and they sent me down two pairs. And it's the funny thing is I put them on and I walked around the house in them and I did these silly exercises and I went and walked the dog with them on the beach. I literally wore them for like two days and did everything in them and said, I said, well, is it? Well, is it good? And, and honestly, I then said, oh, I'm not scrunching my toes. Because everybody, we know, we're not everybody. You, know, you usually walk and you grip with your toes, don't you? Which is not good for us. We scrunch our toes up in our shoes. And so uh, before I'd even read all the, you know, Bob's inventions, and I said, yeah, these fit. They're, they're nice. They're comfy. I've walked, you know, even around the house, look right, Charlie, in my, yeah, going around. There were a black pair. I had a black pair, so I've got black shorts. So I, look, I look smart. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going around the kitchen in my gold shoes, and I said, yeah, these are all right. So that's honestly how it started. And then, so we then... I communicated with Bob very quickly, and my goodness, and within a month, we were in Texas um, doing a 
our first photo shoot thing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously I'd played some golf in them. And, uh, you yeah, Bob was going on about the squares being for alignment. I said, no, it, it actually helped. You know, it's the stability. You know, club golfers cannot get all the way around to a follow-through position. You know, they get hot, they get 90%, and then they lose their balance. And I said, well, no, if you flip, if you flip your, you know, with a right-handed golf, if you flip, flip your foot up and put it, put it on the, the square toe into the ground, you get, you, you get a little bit more balance. So, um, hey, so that was that. And then, you know, and then the other, the other part of it, which I'm a, I know is correct. And, uh, you know, if you have better stability throughout your, your body action, your body motion, then you have consistency. And that people, you know, people are all looking for more extra distance, everything. But if you, if you miss hit it, then, I mean, and as you know, the margin of error in a, in a golf club is tiny. You know, you have to be five, six, Five millimeters to ten millimeters out, and the golf shot loses a whatever five to ten yards. So, if you can button it, and this is what helps you button, you know, mm-hmm. if your body returns to back to what we were talking about right at the beginning. If, you, if your body goes from address, you know, you make a turn and come back to very very similar angles. I mean, really precise then you'll hit the blimmin' thing out the middle. And then I know, it, you know, golf swing starts from the, your feet up. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that helps you just a little bit, it it can, it, and we know from science now, it, it genuinely helps you. Simple as that. Yeah, when I, th- when I think back of, and I think of, your golf swings, sir, Nick, I think of balance in your foundation, you know, very similar, you know, Payne Stewart, Ian Baker Finch, just solid down there. I don't, I don't think there's an instructor that's going to bring their student in and say, okay, for the next week, we're going to work on your footwork. We want it to be just like Scotty Scheffler's, you know, nobody, that's a one-off. The majority of the golfers need stability and balance. And that's that they don't need to be in the air when they're hitting the ball. Like, like some of these young tour players, you you need stability and balance Yeah, and squares has proven this, right? Well, balance balance equals power, doesn't it? It's the only way. And I love formula one and I went to McLaren back in the nineties and Ron Dennis was the, uh, the manager and you, and you look at a car and you think, so I said, what's the most important thing in a, in a Formula One car? Thinking it's going to be tires, horsepower, steering wheel, whatever. And he said, balance. Mm-hmm. I said, the car, and I said, it was like a light bulb. And I said, well, if you've got the technology of the car, it's still, you cannot, he said, I cannot apply anything if I haven't got, I can have the most powerful engine, I can have the best this and best that. If, I, if the car is not balanced, it will not work. You know, so I thought, well, how about that? You've got the science of, of a Formula One car, and the number one, the first word he said was balance. And I think, well, it makes sense of a golf swing as well. To get power, you have to, at some stage, it has to be good balance. And, then, and my other, my, you, and you cannot find balance in a golf swing. You have to start with balance. You know, you build the balance, you know, you start so that's the other that's the other important thing. You know, Scottish Chef is fascinating because with that footwork, but if you watch, he, he, he literally 
all of that footwork happens just about after that millisecond after the goal falls gone. Mm-hmm. He just jump, you know, he jumps back a little bit, but 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 um, it's quite fascinating how you can move like that. So, um, but you know, for for we, for everybody else, I mean, we've always over the years you've always looked at the great goal swings. I mean, you know, the Hogan's and the mm-hmm. Sneed, and then you go to White Off and and Jack and everybody. Yeah, anybody stood there and made a great swing and and stuck a finish was was, was it was always a great shot. So it, it makes sense in our game to to make life a little bit easier for yourself. Yeah, it certainly does. And squares golf shoes certainly do that for you. Help make golf easier for you. Well, Sir Nick Faldo, can't thank you enough for this, man. It's been an honor having you on. It's been a treat catching up with you and going down memory lane. Best wishes for you, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again and do it down the road sometime. All right. Okay. Appreciate that. Thank you. Take care. Good day. Well, certainly one of the legends in the game of golf, not only as a player, as an announcer, um, also, course designer and and giving back to the game winner of the Payne Stewart Award, Sir Nick Faldo. So wonderful to have him, courtesy of Squares Golf. Again, get into one of our Worldwide Golf Shops retail locations. Put those Squares Golf shoes on. Give them a try. You know, independent testing. They, they tested over 500 golfers at all levels for months wearing Squares Golf Shoes and against Brand X, Y, and Z, and Squares outperform them all. Better balance, more distance, effectiveness. Give them a try. Sir Nick certainly is a believer, and you will be too. Well, special thanks again to Sir Nick Faldo for joining us and to you, our listeners. And we'll do it again next time. We have another episode of the Worldwide Golf Shops Insider Podcast right here at WorldwideGolfShops.com. So long, everyone.